Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A word of warning. This podcast contains discussions that some listeners may find distressing or triggering. Please use your discretion. Hello and welcome to Reclaim Me. My name is Madeline Heather and today I am joined by a fellow Aussie, Max Radcliffe, who is a young men's respectful relationship speaker. Welcome, Max. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here today. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast um, and I'm so happy that we got to connect about this topic. Do you mind telling people a little bit about what you do as a young men's respectful relationships speaker? Yeah, so I do speaking, um, coaching, that kind of thing for young men, sort of around uh, 15, between 15 and uh, 21. So helping them with things like consent, respect, uh, and getting into things like, you know, intimate images, um, relationships, that kind of thing. I love it. It's such a good concept, especially having it targeted at that age group. It kind of obviously leans towards a prevention kind of aspect what made you get into this type of work and what what's your passion behind I guess all of this so I first got the idea when I went to a feminist lecture a couple of years back in Sydney it was a debate uh between Roxanne Gay and Christina Summers and at one point during the debate they were discussing the merits of um basically giving young women at university some sexual assault prevention self-defense training. And uh, there was a bit of back and forth and it sort of culminated when um, one of them said, well, I don't see the harm of uh, doing this training. And then the other one said, well, I don't see the harm in teaching men not to rape instead. And there was, um, you know, much applause from the audience. And at that point I thought, well, you know, I don't know how I could teach men not to rape, but it did give me the idea that maybe you could teach young men some pretty simple basic stuff that instead of them needing to learn it and go through life, you could just sort of give that to them before they sort of get out there. Like real simple low level things, um, you know, don't send more than a couple of messages and, you know, lay off the dick pics, that kind of thing that a lot of guys discover as they go, but it'd be really easy just for someone to sit them down and go, okay, yeah, hey, I know what you're thinking doing this, but here's why you shouldn't. And you can sort of go out into the world without having to sort of make those mistakes. Absolutely. And I think we've all seen that. And I think we are leaving a lot of young men in the lurches. You know, you have that one-off sex conversation in sex ed at school. 
you watch a lot of porn or something like that, you've grown up in a certain environment, you, you're not educated in any way. And then when you start to exhibit behaviors like that, it's almost no wonder. And it's like we're, we're not putting any effort into that prevention and having those discussions in a safe place at an early stage before they've developed these types of behaviors. Yeah, that's right. I uh, was talking to my dad and a lot of his friends about what I do. And they kind of said, well, when they were raising us, the theory was a well-raised young man will figure all that out and he'll come out the other side pretty good. So there wasn't a whole lot of thinking that, you know, we've got to sit the guy down and give him all these nuanced little things to do uh, or not do as he goes through life. I mean, they were well-meaning and all of that, but when you get down to it, like there's such simple things that you can give a young man, like simple little tools to help him along the way from a young age, rather than just sort of hoping he discovers that on his own. Yeah. And I feel like this comes into that consent education, but in a more broad aspect of being like, yeah, don't send dick pics. Or, you know, I think one of the videos that I loved the most on your Instagram was talking about the friend zone, because I think that's something that's so commonly, you know, women will roll their eyes out and be like, oh my God, I'm so sick of being told I'm in the friend zone, but you're actually talking about what that means. Yeah, the friend zone's been uh, one that kind of, <laughs> I think that's haunted both uh, men and women in different ways over the years. But I find it sort of better not to actually avoid discussion of it because it really resonates with young men. It's something they discuss. And I know a lot of young women roll their eyes, they get upset about the term, but I can't really ignore it when I'm interacting with young men. So I kind of get into it by talking to them about, you know, like, all right, you can whinge and whine about it all day, but here's some tools to help you not end up in the friend zone in the first place. You know, like, okay, you like a girl, all right? At some point, you're going to have to make your intentions clear about that. And oftentimes, the longer you wait and the more of a sort of just a friend's kind of uh, vibe you allow to progress, that's sort of the road you're going to go down. But if earlier on, you can sort of make your intentions clear, maybe ask her out, you can sort of set that sort of expectation earlier on. This is sort of what I'm thinking. And then she might say, oh, yeah, that's cool. Or she might go, oh, no, I just prefer it as a friendship. And then you can make a decision from there. Like I see a lot of young guys, they go down the first path of, oh, I like a girl. Uh, they don't make their intentions clear. And they go down this path of, oh, maybe I'll ask her out, maybe I won't. And they keep hanging out in this sort of um, friend setting and it just reinforces that. And then as the years go by, they, they think, oh, well, you know, I'm in the friend zone now or they might finally make a move and then she'll go, well, hang on a minute. I thought this was just a friend thing. Like, why didn't you make that clear years ago or months ago or something like that? So it's much more positive to give these guys the tools of like, okay, you can whinge about it, but here's something to help you avoid it. And here's what you can do if you feel like you're stuck in it. Like, cause a lot of young men are very solutions orientated. They sort of come to me and go, you know, I've got this problem. I've got this. How do I solve it? Well, not everything you can solve, but I wouldn't do them any favors if I turned around and said, well, mate, there's no friend zone. There's no such thing. Go away. I've got to kind of give them something productive. And when they're actually stuck in the friend zone and they come to me and want to talk about it, I kind of have to say like, all right, it's probably, there's probably not much you can do. There's probably not a whole lot you can do now. Like there's a couple of options open to you. Um, you're probably not going to like either of them. And in simple terms, it's basically you've got to sit down with this person and make your intentions clear now, but there's a good chance that's not going to be received very well because she may feel betrayed because you've set it up as a friendship. Uh, it might be all right, but the chances aren't high. Or option B is to basically kind of wean yourself off that person, 
Uh, maybe you don't see them for a while. And then when you do, you can try and reframe it and make your intentions clear then. But either way, once you're sort of down that path for a young man, there's not a whole lot he can do. And I actually find it a bit frustrating that guys put themselves in these positions and then they get annoyed and angry about it and sort of in certain ways take that out on the young woman. But what I tell them is if it's frustrating you, if that situation is annoying, if you're in the friend zone and you desperately have these romantic feelings, but you keep seeing your friend, you know, um, date other guys. Um, maybe she's having casual hookups and he's seeing that and he's getting frustrated and annoyed. I advise those guys to really just pull back. Like it might be time to sort of, you know, maybe she was a real good friend that you have romantic feelings for, but it's, it's doing your head in seeing her hook up with guys. It's time to take a step back because that's just going to mess with your mind over time. Like if, if it's basically affecting your mental health in a bad way, it's, you've really got to step back. You've really got to reassess the friendship and what's really going on there. Yeah. And I love that as well, because I think it it makes practical rejection as well. Like if you can just come forward with your intentions and make that clear earlier on, you prevent all this hurt and heartache down the end, but also you're making it a very good discussion for the fact that people will get rejected and they have to respect that. And that's a part of that respectful conversation that I know, you know, a lot of women, and if you rejected someone, they would get so mad at you. And I think that leads into such a good beginning of that conversation to say there is a chance and if that's the call that she makes when you say that to her you know you've got two options to proceed as friends or to walk away because it's hurting you too much those are your options there is no option there for you to lash out and get angry at her because her intentions aren't reciprocated yeah absolutely right and another another big mistake guys make is sometimes early on they will make their intentions clear she'll say, oh, you know, I see this as a friendship. And the guy will say, oh, okay, well, maybe in his mind, he'll think maybe I can try and be friends and just see I'm a nice guy and then she'll change her mind. But it completely messes up the whole perception. And then at the end of that process, when he tries again, and often they do, she just feels betrayed. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's nothing worse than feeling like, I feel like we've had this discussion and then you feel like you're blamed. <laughs> like it's not, It just sucks, but it is. And I love this prevention um, focus, I guess, that you have in a lot of these discussions because if we let these men grow up well-educated with a well-rounded education and understanding of these things, then how much are we going to prevent downstream, which I think is absolutely incredible. Yeah. I, I also go through the sort of nuances of rejection, like taking guys through all those, you know, like, you know, we hear the no means no thing, but it wasn't until my mid twenties when I sort of put it together to get, okay, well, whenever a woman sort of turns me down for a date, she never directly says no. She never says the words no, or very rarely does. It's always some variation of um, busy right now. I've got a boyfriend, I'm seeing someone, uh, you know, Oh, I'm busy with school. I'm busy with work. And over time I went, Oh, hang on. I started to internalize that as, okay, that's actually what a no is. That's actually how you'll hear it in the real world. So I could kind of adjust my thinking, but no one told me that from the get-go. No one sat me down at 16 and said, all right, when you ask a girl out and she wants to say no, she'll probably say some variation of uh, I'm busy, I'm washing my hair, you know, you name it. And then I could have known that from the start. Now, I, I did learn it and a lot of guys do learn it and they figure that out, but there is a subset of guys along that way who will hear an excuse like, oh, I'm seeing someone right now and they go, oh, okay. And then they, you know, they proceed to stalk the Facebook or the socials. And then they wait and they wait and oh, he, oh, Sarah broke up with her boyfriend. Okay. And then they're straight back into it thinking, all right, well now she's single. 
I'm good. Or, oh, okay, you're busy with work right now. That's cool. And then they'll come back around in three weeks. They, they'll just kind of see it as a logical problem to be solved rather than understanding she just didn't want to hurt your feelings. So she gave you a sort of easy out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a true statement. I don't know if there's, and not until becoming like in my late twenties, have I actually definitely started to say, no, thank you. I'm not interested. You know, I would do the exact same thing. And I think we can see these, we can all relate to these things that we do. And as women, I guess you're taught to be kind and be empathetic and everything. So we're not taught to be assertive and say something like, no. So on both kind of sides of that, we're both being taught these really weird norms, but none of us are being taught how to even interact in those situations. Yeah. And I also like to take the guys through a bit of like how to sort of see rejection and view rejection. And I find like a lot of people get caught up in the reasons they might be rejected or they were rejected. And that becomes this rabbit hole of, oh, you know, don't worry. Maybe they're just busy with work. Oh, don't worry. Maybe uh, they've got a lot on right now. Or, oh, you know, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting um, themselves or some kind of abstract concept like that. And a lot of young men will be told things like, you know, plenty of fish in the sea. Uh, Don't take it personally, uh, which I find to be really unhelpful because if you're a young man and you really like a girl and you ask her out, you get that courage, you ask her out and then she goes, oh, you know, I'm seeing someone right now. And he's upset, especially early on, a young guy will be upset to come at him and say, you know, oh, don't take it personally. It's rings very hollow to a young man. Yeah. Because in our society, we kind of reinforce this thing of, well, you need to be in a relationship to actually matter. You need to be in a relationship to have some value in the world, which is absolutely not true, but it's subtly reinforced in our society. And when we reinforce that and then a young man gets romantically rejected and for society then just to come in and say, oh, you know, don't take it personally, it's, it's a big cop-out for a, for a young person to hear. And that's yeah. why I like to kind of reframe it. You know, like you got rejected. Okay, well, whether you take it personally or not, I mean, that's up to you. It's probably is a personal thing. And don't worry about the reasons because it doesn't matter what the reasons are. The outcome's still the same. It doesn't matter whether she's legitimately busy with school. It doesn't matter whether she legitimately is seeing someone else. In that moment, it's still a no. And when guys get all up in their heads about, oh, okay, maybe she actually didn't reject me. She's actually, you know, just getting over her last breakup. That, that plays on their mind and plays on their mind. So getting, getting all deep into the weeds on reasons, I think it doesn't help. I like to tell young men, you know, like, okay, you got rejected. That's good. That's good because you showed some courage to actually put yourself out there. And not a lot of people do. A lot of people, most people, especially young men, will rather will sit back and won't make that move. And if you're a young man and you've made that move and you put yourself out there, that sets you apart. And the second good thing is, if you've been rejected, that closes the door and you know where you stand. You know, like you're not going to walk around thinking, oh, gee, did she like me? Did she not? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I missed that chance. You know, what would have, could have, should have been. There's no question mark left in your mind. So you get that closure. And as time goes on, you can understand that there will be rejections, but there will also be successes as well. And a man can start to internalize that, you know, like, okay, he might've asked out five girls he liked and he starts to realize, okay, well, one, one or two of them said yes. And over time he can realize a rejection isn't a big deal because every no he gets just brings him closer to a yes. Yeah. I really liked what you said there about it's giving them closure. 
Yeah. And, and as I look back on my own sort of experiences, it was never really the rejections that haunted me. It was always the what ifs. And, oh, I didn't take that chance to ask that girl out I met. And, I, you know, it would be weeks, sometimes months, especially when I was younger, thinking, oh, gee, why didn't, I, why didn't I do it? And then, you know, I'm messaging friends going, oh, are we going to a party again? And is that girl going to be there, you know, like when I could have just tried originally. So I, I started to internalize that and I got to the point where I'm like, you know what, I would rather cop the rejection now than just wonder about this for the next three weeks. Like if you take yourself back now, like obviously we're past high school, but how important those things were. And like, you feel love at a different level. I think when you're a teenager, you've got your hormones, you're going through all of these things. Your social life is the most important thing in the world. Like you do, you obsess over these things and you're less developed in those areas to cope and deal with that. Is that something that you've found a lot that there, as you're having these discussions, you've got all of these guys like furiously nodding their heads going, holy shit, he gets me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one thing for them to get you, but it's another thing to give them a tool to sort of move past that. And that's sort of the tricky part. Like you you can, they can get you, but then you got to go, okay, here's something to help you move past that. And especially as a teenager, you know, that that's your world, you know, Oh, I want to date a girl. And, and I suppose that's a big problem that a lot of people in this area face, you know, you can stand up in front of a bunch of young men and say, you know, you know, don't disrespect women, don't do domestic violence, don't do sexual assault. And their eyes are going to glaze over because they're going to go, well, I know all that firstly. And secondly, I just want a girlfriend, you know, that that's, you, so you sort of got to move past that. And when we talk about this sort of stuff, I kind of, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, this is how to process a rejection, but there's another tool I like to give them to sort of move past it even further. And that's to have something that means something to you, some goal, some kind of mission, some kind of thing you love, because the worst thing you can do as a man and even as a woman, I'm sure you would agree, is to be sitting at home and obsessing over nothing but dating, obsessing over nothing but the opposite sex. You know, as a man sitting at home, obsessing over girls, it just does your head in. And all your happiness is dependent on whether that girl says yes to a date. All your happiness is dependent on whether that girl's available to, you know, hang out with you on Saturday. And if she doesn't, oh, you're completely devastated. But I tell the guys, you know, you can, you can get around that. You can get around that by having other things to do, having something else you love. It doesn't really matter what it is. You know, it could be playing music. It could be art. It could be starting a side business on the internet, selling, you know, crystal skulls you import from China and sell them at a markup. I don't know, whatever, whatever you want. As long as you've got something else there to focus on, that's very empowering because all your happiness and all your purpose isn't just hinging on that one person. You've got a few other things. And when you're going to ask someone out or when you're going on a date with someone, if in the back of your mind, you know, all right, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to go home and I'm going to do this, this, and this. Or if I wasn't here right now with this girl and I like her and it's going well, but if it suddenly stopped, I could go home and do a few other things that I'm also really excited to do. And I've found there's nothing more like puts me in the best state of mind. Like if I'm going on a first date is to think, okay, well, right now in this minute, I could be at home doing a whole bunch of other things that I'm really excited to do. So that can set you off in this mindset rather than being sitting there, meeting someone for the first or second time and, you know, clutching the table and thinking, well, if this doesn't work, my whole life's over, like or my whole happiness is sitting across from this table. And, you know, if, if this doesn't work out, I don't know what I'm going to do. But if you have something to go and do after that or, you know, something else you're really excited about as well, completely separate from dating, 
that puts you into a brilliant state of mind. And yeah, you're right. That's such a good tool to have like a, you know, that's okay. I had that thing booked tonight with that girl and she canceled or, you know, she rejected me, but I've got acting class or singing lessons or sport and footy club with the boys and I'll be around all of my friends. Like, or I'm going to go home and play a video game because I love that. Like whatever that may be, that is such a good tool. You know, if you're going to maybe pick a day that you're going to choose to have that discussion with this girl you've been thinking about, maybe footy training day would be the best. So you've got people and something you're excited to do after that. Yeah, absolutely. Or, I mean, next best thing is, okay, well, date didn't work out. That's okay. I'm going to go to bed. I'm excited to get up the next day and, you know, go downhill mountain biking or get back into playing guitar, whatever it happens to be. Like as long as you've got something beyond that to look forward to, that that puts you in that perfect state of mind that the world's not going to collapse if this interaction doesn't go well. And you do a lot of these talks and we were just talking before you started, you've written a few articles as well. What do you find is is has been the most useful thing that you've discussed with the younger people that you speak with? Like from them, what's the feedback that's that you felt was the best? Some of the better feedback uh, tends to be they kind of say, you know, like, oh, this is kind of not as preachy or not as um, in your face as some of the other stuff they get. Like, because I understand that some of the stuff they do get, it can be a little bit like eye rolling, you know, like, oh, we know this, we know this. So that's really good. And also know the audience is getting engaged when they start asking questions. And, you know, it can be a little bit like, oh, okay, dude, like all right, this is a very easy, it's very easy to help you on this one. But uh, when they start asking questions about, you know, like, oh, I've dated this girl and then she said this and then she did this, what should I do? That's how you know you're hooking the audience. That's how you know you're getting that engagement there. The problem with um, some of those real specific ones though tends to be there's no, there may not be an easy answer or if there is an easy answer, a young dude might not really want to know it uh, there and then uh, until later on when they sort of discover and then come back and go, oh, Max, uh, yeah, okay, you were right. That um, that girl I was after, I really should have just stopped. Yeah, and it's good that they're having these own realisation moments and also having someone to share that with, I think. Outside yeah. of these discussions that you're having as well, like do you have a lot of parents or a lot of um, teachers and stuff having these conversations with you too? What's been their feedback? Yeah. So a lot of my followers are actually uh, women uh, and a lot of uh, women with uh, teenage sons. Uh, so yeah, I get a bit of feedback uh, from them. It's pretty good. Some A lot of DMs thanking me for my take on stuff and how it's kind of pretty practical and some advice they can pass on and sort of a way to look at things and a way to sort of convey them. I had a pretty good one the other day that was a bit funny. Um, there was a mum and she'd shared one of my uh, Instagram reels with uh, a couple of her sons and one of them responded and said, oh, I don't think that guy pulls chicks. <laughs> uh, that gave me a bit of a laugh and she goes, all right, what, what, can I, what can I say to him? And I said, oh, okay, well, he's testing you. So, I mean, there's a few things you can say. I mean, the, the moral, the, the point of the particular reel was, you know, don't obsess over women if you want quality women you know, you've got to get yourself built up. You've got to be a quality man. And I kind of said, okay, there was a few things you can tell your son because um, he's probably testing you. The first one is you can maybe say, you know, like, all right, mate, that's cool. You obsess over women. Uh, you obsess over girls. Uh, don't have anything else. And then you're going to be shocked when she hooks up with the bad boy or the talented footy player or that musician who's really, you know, got some drive. I mean, that's probably the technical answer, but um <laughs> For some more zingers, I kind of said, but you could also throw something back at her, back at your son and say, oh, no, you're right. I think Max is probably a virgin. 
uh, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. I love that because you've got to be on their level as well. You can't just be like, oh no, I'm so upset by that. Like as if, as if in any way that you're doing these videos and you're doing this education, you're not going to cop at least some of that. I think any video that you do, you're going to get some negative things back. You've got to deal with it in such a, in a way that makes them pay attention as well, which I love. Like being able to have that zinger back with him is just like, oh, he didn't win. (laughs) You kind of got to show like sort of nothing phases you, but you kind of have to own it and you have to go one way or the other, you know, like if someone sits there and goes, oh, Max, uh, are you a virgin? You know, you've either got to double down on it completely or you've, you know, that that's usually what you do. You know, you can't sit there and go, no, no, I'm in. No, 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 no. The girls, no, no, no. Like as soon as you do that, you've lost. You've completely lost the room. So <laughs> and you've really lost got all credibility. <laughs> yeah. Really got to double down and just go, oh, yeah, man, you got me. Dude, I've never seen a pair of boobs in real life. And then you just sort of got to move on. <laughs> Oh, that's such a good way to deal with it. I love it. And especially with that added sense of humor, I guess, as well, you've got to, you've got to do that. What would be like, I guess for someone, if they're young, a young boy or man is listening to this right now and is struggling with these feelings and navigating this space or has questions, like what were some resources, even through what the work that you do, that they might be able to interact with for more education? Yeah. So there's not a lot right now. And unfortunately, the stuff there is that proliferates is kind of, I guess you might call it pickup artist content um, that can be a little bit trashy. Uh, not a lot of it's, um, not of a lot of it balances that kind of like, here's how to show respect with, here's how to ask a girl out. Um, so there's, there's not a whole lot because when I was putting it together, I was like, you know, like, how am I going to engage a 16 year old boy? Like, I can't walk out there and be like, okay, um, show respect. Uh, don't, don't hit women. Um, don't do sexual assault and don't send dick pics and walk off. I, I couldn't really do that. So I kind of had to structure all my stuff as like, here is, well, I'm here. Firstly, I'm here to talk about girls. I'm here to talk about dating. Uh, and then kind of structure it like, okay, here's how to ask a girl out. Here's how not to ask a girl out. Here's how to ask a girl out. Here's what to do next. Um, and flow it through that from like asking a girl out to going on a date to uh, consent, talking about how they'll be rejected. Some handy hints, like, you know, just throwing in, throwing in something that can help them make them go, oh, okay, you know, like, oh, asking a girl out, I just do this. Okay, oh, okay, yeah, that's good. That can help me. Or like, um, I don't know, really basic stuff. Like, you know, just keep a condom close by for God's sake. Like, <laughs> you don't want to be in the last moment running out the door and searching the house frantically, like just put one in your bedside table or put one under your pillow. I don't know, somewhere, just have it close, you know, like just little things like that, that, you know, when you can give away some good info like that, that can, that can bring them in really well that like, and when you've got to deliver like, you know, an important message, I go, okay, this guy's sort of gets me. This guy's giving out some good stuff. Like he's legit. I can keep flowing it then to like consent. So, you know, like, okay, Instead of, you know, having a long discussion about what does consent mean to you and let's do the wheel of consent and stuff like that. Now, all that stuff has value, but when you've got limited time with a bunch of 17-year-old boys, having a three-hour discussion on, you know, the intricacies and, um, you know, highfalutin ideas about consent isn't really getting you anywhere. So I kind of break it straight down. I'm like, okay here is probably how you're going to experience consent and in a sexual way. And here is exactly what to do when it happens, you know, like 
there's a good chance coming back to the, you know, asking a girl out and how she responds. There's a good chance during a sexual interaction. If there's a problem with consent, the first thing you'll notice is a reaction. So I tell the guys, you know, like, is she getting into it? Yeah. Is she loving it? Is she, you know, are you clearly seeing something? You know, I give a few demonstrations, but if she suddenly freezes, you know, she grabs your hand, moves it away. You know, you've got to put your hand, you know, on her breast and she grabs your hand and moves it, you know, like how to interpret all those signals and what to do, you know, like, okay, it's all going really well. It's all going really well. Uh, clothes are coming off and then you got to touch her somewhere and she suddenly freezes or turns away. That's when you know, okay, something's up. And when you know something's up, then you can ask about it. Yes. I love so much what you're saying about consent, because this is the practicality of consent that we're missing. Like I'm, I, I have done a few posts on consent as well. One where I've spoken about consent, but also a few little posts here and there, like one more specifically, I hate the way that we say yes means yes. And that's where, you know, I think pressure can come into consent or things like that can come into consent where somebody is forced to say yes or gives the illusion that they're saying yes. But what you're giving is actual practicality towards noticing what the freeze response is, noticing what um, a no might mean, you know, and you're giving them the tools that they will need. We're giving people, you're giving people a, a practical sense of consent that is actually genuinely probably better than a lot of the other educators out there because this is the stuff that they need to know. These are the, the freeze response is the most common response that happens in sexual assault cases. So they're aware of the fact that somebody isn't into it. And those are the discussions that you're having. How pro- profound is this going to be in reducing the rates of sexual assault in the future and making sure that people have just respect for awesome sex? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, I because I grew up with the whole no means no thing. Um, mm. That was probably the extent of the consent education I got. And just like with asking a girl out and you wouldn't get a direct no, uh, even in sexual situations, you wouldn't get a direct no. It would always be, yeah, it'd be a, a freeze or it'd be just awkwardness and turning away or moving your hand away. There would never be a direct no or very rarely would there be any kind of direct no. It would always be a response for you to read. And, you know, I picked up on that. I internalized that over time, but it would have saved me a whole lot of learning if someone just sat me down at 15 and said, okay, Max, uh, yeah, these are the ways that uh, she'll say no to you sexually and just understand what that means. And there's even been cases, there was a case in New South Wales a few years back where a guy who was charged with rape and he eventually appealed the conviction and got away with it because he made the argument that, well, you know, she didn't make enough uh, effort to communicate that she wasn't consenting. And he got acquitted on appeal. And now the law got changed uh, recently, so that couldn't happen again. But there, there is that, you know, huge problem in learning and like just leaving a young man out there to just go, oh, he'll figure it out. He'll get it. And the, your criticism of the yes means yes thing, I think that there's something to that because I see a whole lot of stuff posted online and it's very well-meaning and it's, you know, yes means yes, you know, only yes means yes or variations on that. And it kind of got me thinking that, you know, in the same way as, you know, you won't often hear a verbalized no, sometimes you won't actually get a direct yes. So it could come in a whole different bunch of forms. You know, it, it's the wording could be totally different. And some of the more explicit wording is, you know, like, um, you know, could be a young woman, you know, taking off her underwear and saying, hey, have you got a condom? that could be the way she says, I want to have sex. Another one is, you know, getting on top, taking a top off and saying, you know, like, oh, I can't wait to feel, you know, your dick inside me. She never said yes in any of those, but it's pretty clear that that's what she wanted to happen. So yes. the whole yes means yes. It's like, well, okay. But, you know, if, if, you know, if a woman gets on top of you, you're making out, she, you know, undoes the button on her pants, takes a top off and, you know, says, oh, I can't wait to feel your dick inside me. If you were to then say, oh, just checking, you want to have sex, she's probably going to look at you like, um, mate, I basically just, you know, spelled it out for you. You know, what, <laughs> yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. So we're getting caught up in that yes means yes thing can be a bit 
a bit funny on the positive side too, even when it's a positive interaction. And this is what frustrates me as well about these discussions because it's so one-sided and a lot of guys will respond to things and be like, oh, what do you want, like an affidavit or like a stat deck to make sure that they're happy? Do you want me to get it notarized? I'm like, shut up. I'm like, but I'm not saying that you need to explicitly say at all stages, are you okay with this? But it's for you to have enough emotional intelligence to go, okay, yes, in that situation, she definitely is enthusiastically consenting. That's where the enthusiasm comes into it, where you've got this two mutually consenting and enthusiastically consenting parties. Also, how awesome is that sex going to be? Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, there's nothing else to it. But the tools that you're giving people past that to be like, is she a little bit disengaged or is something happening? Is she not looking at you? Or if you're giving those tools, you're opening up a conversation to create boundaries with one another to kind of say, you okay with this? Are you comfortable with this? You don't have to say and I don't know anyone that would say, do I have your consent in that moment? You'd be like, Hey, like, are you feeling all right right now? Is, is everything okay? Are we, have I gone too far? Am I making you feel uncomfortable? Like you're having a really easy conversation. Yeah. It's um, there's definitely that vibe. And when you've got that positive feedback and that sort of loop between you, you can, you can really vibe off each other, you know, like, Oh, this is going really well. Oh, I touched her here. That was a bad reaction. Okay. You know what? I'm just going to back away from that. Um, try something else maybe or just do something else completely different. And th- there's sort of a, you know, like, for example, you could be, you know, having the greatest sex of your life, but then one position all of a sudden she might be like, you know, not very enthusiastic and you can internalize that and go, okay, so she's not all about this position. Uh, let's move to something else. You know, like that it does feed into really good sex as well because, you know, when you can sort of understand what's going on, when you can really read the room, and you can ask for clarification when you need it, that can set up this really great sort of interaction. And when you're like sort of like looking for those signs and looking for a good response, you can really figure that out. And I did a post um, about a week or two ago sort of talking about like, you know, like what's the best sex tip ever, you know, and guys will sit there, you know, a few beers deep and be like, oh, mate, you know, you hold her left leg above her head, play with her pinky toe. Uh, and then do this swirly thing with your fingers all while you're sort of thrusting in a weird direction, but slightly off center and um, lick her left nipple and she'll have the best orgasm. It's like, okay, well, I'm sure that girl or woman in particular did, but that advice doesn't really help. My best advice is that read the reactions, whatever you're doing, whatever you're trying, whatever is going on, if you get a good reaction with something, you know, you can file that away and think, okay, wow. All right. She really likes it when I uh, kiss her neck. Okay. File that away. Um, and then as, as guys sort of get a bit of experience with this, they should like keep filing that away. Okay. That girl really liked her neck kissed. Okay. Well maybe this girl will. Okay. No, she doesn't. She prefers her ears kissed. I like, I'm just pulling this out here because it could be numerous things, but start internalizing that. And, you know, you can sort of think, okay, well, try some things, feel it out, you know, like the best sex tip is just read those reactions and you're going to be having some great sex or you should be if you're sort of doing it right. Yeah. I mean, I would hope so. (laughs) But I think at the end of the day as well, it's opening up boundaries and discussion, right? So you might try something different, but you could also open it up and be like, do you like this? Like, I'd like for you to tell me if you don't like something, or I'd like for you to tell me if you do like something or 
you know, when I do this, it means I like it. When I do this, it means I don't like it. Like it opens up a discussion between you and a consenting party to actually create those boundaries with one another, which is so important, especially in like a longer relationship. When you're just starting, you know, in the way that we're talking about sex right now is not what I experienced when I was younger. Do you know what I mean? It was that kind of, am I sure? I don't know. It wasn't. And you're not having those discussions, especially with these young guys where it's just like, God, I'm going to have sex for the first time. <laughs> and the only the only sex education that they've ever had is how to put a condom on a banana once. And they've probably done it like by themselves or with their friends at the footy club or whatever one time ever. Like it's just so missing. But I do love what you're doing in that sense because I think it's going to change lives in many ways. It's going to prevent sexual assault in many ways. It's going to make people feel more sex positive and like sex isn't a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing if it's consenting. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned the, the sex positive thing um, and sort of how we kind of, um, we, we shamed women for sex for a long time. And then, but I think we did ourselves a disservice, especially as men, you know, like we shamed women for having sex, you know, we call them horrible names, you know, slut, thought, ho, you know, take your pick. And then as men, we would get frustrated that, oh, this, woman won't have sex with me on the third date. I'm really annoyed. And it's like, yeah, bro, probably because you and your mates sit around going, oh yeah, slut, slut, ho, oh, ha, 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 ha. And even if you do that as a man with no women around, it doesn't really matter because it sort of permeates that culture or even you'll have men who'll tell other women and go, oh yeah, all the boys down the footy club called this girl a slut. And that gets around. And other girls will say, oh, well, I don't want to be called that by the boys at the footy club. So, oh, when I'm out on this date with Max from the footy club, he wants to go back to his house. Mm-mm, I don't think so. All the boys are going to call me a slut. So I think like we did a huge disservice and we keep doing it as men. You know, we call women horrible names for wanting to have sex on the one hand, but then on the other hand, almost sometimes in the same breath, we'll complain that, oh, this girl didn't want to have sex. Oh, she only wanted to cuddle. Oh, she doesn't want to have sex till the fourth date or something. And it's like, man, we could have done ourselves so many favors by just stopping with this slut shaming. Like, like, what do you want, boys? Like, one minute you're calling them all sluts, the next minute you're whinging that none of them will have sex with you. Like, and to be honest, I don't blame them. But, like, we really didn't create that sex-positive culture and, like, guys really just shoot themselves in the foot with it. Absolutely. And none of the discussion around sex positivity is featured in feelings of pleasure. And that's something that we don't discuss either. So inherently by having the discussion, what are her reactions in that moment? or his, or they, or them, which we need to be inclusive of all people. But you, if you're in a situation where you're learning about looking at people's positive reactions and, and noticing their negative ones or their absence of reactions, you're creating an environment where people are starting to think about women's pleasure as well through those discussions or about their own pleasure through those discussions. Like this discussion isn't just no means no, have that, you know, that's not working. It's just so stupid. There's no practicality to it. So I just think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. You know, you can be having sex and reading some reactions. You can start to, you know, you can start to put a little, you know, uh, something together in your head, you know, like, okay, these positions seem to go really well. These ones not so well. And sort of, as you get sort of more comfortable with each other, you can sort of have like, even just brief conversations, like even during sex, you can sort of just say, oh, like, hey, like, probably in a more central voice than I'm going to do here, but you could just, you know, say, you know, like, oh, what's your favorite way to get fucked? Or what's your favorite way for someone to go down on you? What's your favorite way, you know, um, 
you can just lead into it like that. And you'll start probably start to have a little picture. Like I'm pretty sure she likes it this way. And then she might go, Oh, I really like it when this, it might reinforce what you know, or it might even be like, Oh, okay. That's, that's interesting. All right. I'm just imagining myself or like the guys that I went to school with sitting, listening to you at like 14 to 18, having a bit of a giggle when you say get fucked, but also feeling like this is actually a, a useful practical conversation that I'm not going to forget. A guy will still never forget that woman with the condom on the banana. <laughs> but then all of our sex ed was literally about catching diseases. <laughs> so everyone was either A, terrified that they were going to get a disease, B, terrified they were going to get pregnant, or that, I think actually that was it. And it was one day. So if you missed that one day in the auditorium where the entire school was basically in there, then you, you got no education on the condom probably a good thing because you're probably going to be less fearful of everything else. So I just love it. Like the image I have in my mind of all of these guys, like having these discussions after as well, or even going home and talking to their parents about it, or, you know, it's going to create and facilitate conversations that aren't being had. Yeah. I've found they'll sort of want to ask if someone's kind of talking about this on, on a level and not really judging them, they'll tend to be pretty open for what they'll ask. Um, sometimes parents can be a bit tricky because it's kind of an authority figure and like, oh, okay. Like, I know like a lot of parents do really well, but even the best parents, you're going to have some teenagers who are like not really keen to ask you about, you know, like, okay, um, how do I have sex, mum? You know, like what what's the actual mechanics of it or, you know, things like that. So sometimes it really helps to have someone sort of sitting outside that frame to sort of come in and go, okay, let's break it down. Let's answer your questions, you know, like, oh, I don't like condoms, blah, 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 whinge, whinge, whinge. Just like, okay, dude, what's the problem? Oh, you know, I've got to stop and put it on. It's like, okay, well, then you can throw out like and, and with a practical thing, usually that can shut down a whole lot of, or not shut it down, but actually help the young men progress a bit, you know, like, oh, condoms are annoying. I have to stop what I'm doing and put it on. It's like, okay, dude, use your imagination, but you know, I'll just give you one straight up. You know, I can be like, all right, dude, okay. Use one hand for doing things, um, you know, down there or whatever, you know, one hand doing that, the other hand putting it on. Guess what? You didn't have to stop. Yeah. Or you can make a game out of it. Or you can make a game out of it, you know, um, put it on with your mouth if you want. Um, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever you're feeling. Oh, I love this. But, but once you sort of have a practical kind of way forward, it's really helpful because like in a lot of things, like, you know, like slut shaming or, you know, misogyny and that kind of thing, launching straight into that and attacking a young man for doing something like, you know, if if the young man's saying, you know, oh, this girl's a slut, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like it's very tempting to just sort of come in and go, oh, don't you use that language. That's not on little Timmy, shut your mouth. It, It can be a lot more productive to say, okay, dude, um, you don't help the boys when you say that you're not helping us when you say that, you know, like I want to have sex with pretty girls and I want it to be fun and not hard. When you go around saying she's a slut, she's a slut. You make that hard for everyone, you know? And like when you can explain it in that kind of way, it goes, Oh, okay. All right. No, he makes a good point there. You know, like rather than just hammering him and saying that's not on, don't be saying that. Especially at that age, we are also self-serving as well. So probably not as keen on the women's rights side of things uh, as he is probably on the own self-service of his sexual gratification, which we hope maybe later in life, but it is, it's giving people that practicality and it, 
at the end of the day, we just need it to stop so that we can get to an equal playing field. And I think that that's, yeah, a great point to make. It might not be the easiest to hear. Like when you said that, I'm just like, damn, I would, I don't think I'd be able to say, to not say also that's incredibly disrespectful to women, but at the same time, it's like, Pick your battles. Yeah. And I've sort of had people who said, oh, you know, could you, you know, bring up misogyny a bit more and bring in feminism a bit more? And I'm like, well, maybe, but I might lose them. And I try and stay away during presentations from saying words like misogyny, feminism, even masculinity. I just, I, I just want to cut straight to the um, nuts and bolts of, and the practicalities of things. So, and I, and I kind of take it like if, if I can tell a young man like, hey, stop doing this bad behavior because you'll get a positive result for you somewhere else. And he internalizes that, takes it on board. I'll call it a win. I mean, it's not ideal. He's not walking away telling everyone how much of a feminist he is. He's not walking away, you know, protesting uh, for equal pay or something. But if he's walking away and taking a lesson on that actually sort of improves the world, you know, I'll call it a win. You know, like if, if women stop being called sluts tomorrow because men wanted to have sex easier, I'd call it a win. I mean, it's not a win for some holistic reasons, but at least we moved forward. In some way, yeah. And I agree. And I think it's like if you had a class that you were teaching once a day, every school day, you would be able to get into those concepts a little bit more and have a bit more of a nuanced discussion about different theories and different issues and cultural and social and political things. But with a couple of hours with a group of kids, you definitely right. You have to get to what's going to hit the most with the time that you've got. Yeah. And, and even if it sort of has a flow on effect, you know, like, because a young man might hear his friends say, you know, calling women hoes, and he might think, oh, that's bad. You know, I don't, I don't like that. But what do I do? What do I say in that situation? Because if he sits there and says, oh, don't be misogynistic, boys, they might have laughed at him. But maybe that guy, like, you know, he can take that as a tool. He can take that on board and go, oh, wow, Max made a really good point. And the next time his boys are saying, you know, this girl's a hoe, this girl's a slut, he can go, hey, boys, you know, you're kind of making it hard for us to have sex when you say that. And they might go, oh, yeah, oh, that's a point, isn't it? Like, oh, okay. Or he can even call out their like hypocrisy by going, you know, Jono, you call her a slut today, but last week you were complaining that this other girl was frigid. You know, like, what do you want, man? Like, you're going to have to pick what you want. And <laughs> that kind of like, those zingers like that amongst groups of dudes can be very powerful. It can make you go, oh, oh, shit, you got me, dude. Oh, okay. Ooh. After like all of that, like, obviously there's a lot of topics that you do cover outside of consent and the friend zone and things like that. What's another like, what would be the the most common kind of questions that you get? Is it usually around consent and things like that? Or is it just a really widespread depending on the class? Yeah, it can vary. It's people tend to want to ask about their own situations or it's a friend, you know, the old, Oh, my friend asked this girl out and then she said <laughs> this, but then she did that. And then he tried asking her out again. And then she said this, does that, what do you think he should do? And you're like, Okay, well, you tell your friend, uh, you know, so it's it tends to be centered a lot on, you know, helping them with their situations and what they should do in certain situations because it tends to be what the guys revert to. Um, they're not asking me a whole lot of, you know, overreaching societal questions about masculinity. And that's a really good and interesting point as well. So if there are people out there that are developing content like that and they're trying to reach this kind of audience, you've got to take it from an aspect of trying to 
Like what are they going to listen to? What are they going to interpret? What's going to actually mean something to them? Because, you know, as a feminist and as an activist and somebody that posts a lot for this podcast as well, there are some of those things that I have and those thoughts that are just like, this is only going to reach a certain portion of people who are already in this area, you know, understand with themselves that, oh, okay, this consent like meme that you did is funny, or I completely agree with this topic. They're already on board with you. So it's kind of like, you're not really winning much with that. You're, you're getting people to agree with you rather than being like, this is going to actually challenge a thought, or this is going to actually educate and reach a different group of people that might make them think differently. Yeah. And I got asked about, um, toxic masculinity at a panel the other week and they were sort of saying you know like what's what's the biggest issue like of toxic masculinity that you see and you know how it affects society and the work you do and i basically said control was the biggest sort of issue out there and sort of you know it, it's one thing to sit a young man down who might have been a bit abusive and sort of say he's wrong and he's a misogynist and all this that and the other but i really like to talk about control because it's something that can be really positive. Like we'll, we'll assume it's a masculine trait just for the purpose of this, but mm. let's say some control, masculine control can be very, very positive or it can be completely destructive and toxic. It just depends which way you go with it. And if you're trying to control other people and particularly your partner, that's, that's sort of the toxic really bash your head against a wall kind of control but if you channel that control into yourself like self-control where your life's going your your fitness your health whatever you want your passions your goals the things you're striving for that can be incredibly empowering and you can actually harness that aspect of we'll call it masculinity and that control to really have a positive outcome it's just where you direct it a wrong way like it's just so negative and i see you know or i hear of people trying to control you know a partner you know they'll do coercive control you know they'll stalking all sorts of crazy stuff and i always think like that that aspect of control is just control absolutely gone off the deep end you know like and i kind of like it's shocking for the victim and i you know i could talk all day on that and there's a lot of sympathy there but i also sort of think about the perpetrator in that situation when i think so much wasted energy this person wasted all this energy wasted all this time wasted all this you know potential they could have had to go and do something with that you know they were trying to get control in all the wrong places but if they channeled that desire for control into you know control over their body their mind you know what have we got go to the gym meditation eating well focusing on goals you know, the, the amount of energy that went into controlling another person, if that had been directed positively, like these people could be, you know, running businesses, earning a fortune. They could be, you know, painting masterpieces. They could be writing beautiful songs. They could be touring with a rock band, you know, like who knows? I mean, the sky's really the limit here, but they could be standout amazing people if they just knew where to channel that desire for control. Yeah. And if we're not having any of these conversations from such a young age, you know, even it goes back to what we were talking about before with rejection, if that, if that rejection incites violence and incites you to want to control that person because, you know, their rejection is seen as taking control away from you, then you're just going to keep perpetuating a cycle because 
it gets the outcome. You know, you get the control over the person. So in your mind, that's a positive, regardless of how you've come about it. But if you can instill in young people and educate them on different ways that they can do things and different aspects that they can do things and what's right and what's wrong in a practical sense, rather than just saying, you know, like you said before, like don't strangle someone or don't punch someone in the face or don't sexually assault someone, you know, you're you're missing a large proportion there. You're missing the practicality of it all. It's also a thing whereby I see people try and exert control over others. I mean, it could be a partner, it could be a family member or something like that. And there are situations and usually for a time that will work or it will work to an extent. But, you know, add a couple of months, add a year and people ultimately do what they want. You know, like it's a false sense of control that's temporary and it's not actually real. You know, that you might think you're controlling your partner. You might think you're controlling what they wear. But I've heard stories of women who were controlled in this way and, you know, they weren't allowed to go to a movie. They weren't allowed to wear certain clothes. They weren't allowed to meet certain friends. And all they ended up doing was, I mean, power to them. They ended up kind of rebelling within that relationship. You know, they would sneak out, say they've got to go into work and go watch a movie. They would, you know, go out and they would keep clothes at a friend's house so they could put on the clothes they wanted to wear and go out, you know, for drinks like that. And ultimately, you know, this would enrage the person trying to control them. But the lesson to me is like, you know, you think you've got that control, you ultimately won't, you know, like you might think you've got it, but eventually they're going to break out. They're not going to want it forever. And when it does happen, it's a breakdown in control because you think you've got this control over someone, but it turns out it wasn't real. So you've put a whole, you're defining your whole self by that control you have over a person rather than defining yourself by that control you have over yourself and where you're going. Yeah, absolutely. And it just makes so much sense uh, in the context of the parent control wheel and dynamic and Um, people breaking free and, you know, even the way that you've just said it, all I could envisage in my mind was why women are in so much more danger after they leave. Um, It's that loss of control over somebody and that realisation which makes it dangerous. But I think that's why the work you're doing is so incredible because it's going to start changing these discussions, these conversations, and the flow and effects of that I think will be downstream uh, reduction in sexual assault and domestic and family violence. So thank you. Uh, I do want to ask as well. Um, I ask everyone that comes in, what would be one piece of advice that you would give to someone if they were in, I say in this situation right now, but I think if somebody came to you and they were troubled, what would be like the one go-to piece of advice that you would give them? Oh, it would depend what kind of trouble they're in. Cause I, I do mostly it's specifics I get. If they came to you and they said they were having trouble with rejection or those feelings of rejection, um, what would be something that you might say to them? So I'd probably ask them what else they have going on. I'd say, okay, yeah, forget about women, forget about dating for a minute. Tell me what else you're into. Do you play footy? Have you got any hobbies? Tell me about that. And I kind of redirect them a little bit like, you know, like, all right, cool. Could you be doing more with that? Like you play a bit of guitar, but how often do you practice? You know, like, what do you want from that? Like, do you want to perform on stage one day? Oh yeah, I might actually like, okay, dude, step it up. Like there, there's something for you, man. Like go for that. Like, so I try and sort of not talk about 
you know, girls straight up because like you've got to build that base because I, I can, I can say a whole lot of stuff about, you know, like dealing with rejection. There's some good ways to do it, but it's like, there's no single silver bullet here. Like, so the, the few that I sort of put together are like, okay, the first way is being rejected a lot and learning that it's no big deal. You're going to wake up the next day, the sun's still going to shine and there's no problem. And internalizing that a lot of rejections is okay because you get to some positive outcomes eventually. So when you can be rejected a lot, that can double the pain. The other one is sort of knowing that that rejection brings closure and sort of internalizing the idea that that rejection is better than wondering what could have been. But then behind all that is having a really solid sense of self and a sense of things you're going to do and a sense of what you're doing. So if someone's struggling with rejection or a fear of rejection, I kind of channel them into like, okay, you need to make your life or at least start progressing your life to a point where that rejection isn't going to destroy your soul. I think that's wonderful advice. And I think that I wish that I had that when I was that age as well. So thank you so much. I know that so many people listening to this are going to want to get in contact with you. So if somebody wants to get in contact with you, if they want to book you, if they want to follow you on Instagram, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, on Instagram, I'm uh, maxi.radcliffe, R-A-D-C-L-I-F-F-E. And my website is um, maxradcliffe.com.au. So I will pop that in the show notes for this episode uh, so we can make sure that we people can get in touch with you no matter what. But thank you so much for coming on to Reclaim Me. Do you have any final thoughts or anything that you want to share before we wrap up? Uh, I could talk about this all day. Um, <laughs> so could I. I guess another bit of advice I tend to throw out to the guys is if you've sent two to three messages and you still haven't got a response, you're never getting one. And the more you send, the more stupid you look. Like, you know, you can walk away with your head held high after two to three messages unresponded and go, okay, cool, I tried. But when you're getting into four, five, six, 10, 20 unresponded messages, your credibility has gone and you're not walking away with your head held high. She's just going to think you're a creep and a weirdo. And Another bit of advice I give out this kind of a common issue is the dick pics. So what guys think they're doing with that unwanted dick pic is not achieving anything they think it will. You know, like sending a dick pic, the way a young woman receives that is not the same way that a young man would receive an unsolicited picture of her boobs. So she's not seeing your dick in the way you would see her boobs. And I love that part about the messages as well, because I will be honest right now with my own experience. It just happened last week where I was like, Oh, this older guy, such a lovely guy, went on this great date. And I just didn't respond for a day because I was busy and I couldn't be bothered. And then it was on the dating app that we met. My phone blew up. He was calling me. He called me off a blocked number. And I was like, I was actually going to respond because I thought we had fun. And then I was like, this man is in his 40s and... Should know better. Like, are you serious? So anyway, but it's just like this, if he was taught that at 14, you know, he would have gone on a second date with me. And I'm kind of glad that he did it though because I feel like I've avoided. But it is, it just a touches huge, on so many good points. 
huge eye opener for me uh, years back was a girlfriend was sort of talking about, you know, uh, guys blowing up her phone and that kind of thing. And, you know, being a bit younger, I sort of, and thinking everyone's like me, I was like, you know, no, who would do that? You know, like what, what's the point of that? You just look like a clown, you know, like who would honestly do that? And she looked at me and she goes, Oh, have a look. And she gave me her phone and she goes, scroll through this. And I was scrolling back and back and back and months of unresponded texts. I'm like, oh, holy shit, this guy's lost it, you know? And she's like, yeah, it's been going on for years. Like they hooked up a couple of times, maybe I think a year or two before that. And then just blew up her phone ever since. Like every maybe week would be like, hey, what's up? And as I'm scrolling back through her phone thinking, you know, okay, this is unhinged. The guy tries calling her like right <gasps> in that moment. I'm like, you couldn't plan this, right? And she goes, oh, no, he also calls me maybe once or twice a month. I don't answer. And, and I hate it when people's response is going to be, why doesn't she block him? It's not that. That's not the problem. The problem's his behavior. I mean, yeah, she shouldn't have to block him. Um, it's up to <laughs> her what she did did with that. Um, but the, from that, I kind of said, you know, is there any more? How common is this? And she goes, oh, okay. I don't know. There's a few in the phone if you want to look. But she basically said it was kind of 50-50, you know, like 50% would blow up her phone, 50% would kind of get the message. And from that, the more women I asked about it, you know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, no, that happens all the time. And I was yeah. like, you don't have to show me, but if you pulled out your phone right now, would you be able to like show a few? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, if you want to look. And then, you know, when I started asking about dick pics, they'd be like, <laughs> if you want to see yeah. and um, <laughs> the other kicker with the dick pics and I sort of tell the young dudes, this is like, that's not between you and that girl. Like if you're sending an unsolicited dick pic that she didn't want, that's now between you, the girl and all her friends in a group chat and all her friends going, what a creep what a loser. Like, Oh my God, is that Steve from footy? Oh, I thought I liked him. Oh, you know, like, that stuff gets passed around and, you know, like there's the joke about you know, women always talking and talking, but legit, like they will talk and they will know like you're that creepy dude who sends dick pics or you're that creepy dude who didn't get the message and sent like 20 unanswered, like, you know, texts to her. Yeah. You're that guy that everyone thinks is a creep now. Yeah. And, th- and there's no, there's no coming back from that or very hard to. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I hope to have you back on again and good luck for everything that you're doing. I think it's honestly just so wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Reclaim Me. Awesome, Matt. Thank you for having me on. Catch you later. This content may have been distressing or triggering for some listeners. In Australia, for national crisis support, please contact Lifeline on 131114. For more resources, please see the show notes for this episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.